Hello there, it's Gareth here and welcome to this episode 60 of the podcast. I hope you are well. Um, today I want to talk about um, not letting things build up. And I'm talking specifically about um, emotions, feelings that we might have, allowing them to build up inside ourselves. Um, because if we do, it can have some rather spectacular effects on us and the people around us if we let things build up too much. Let me explain. For the last two weeks, I have been involved in jury service at Leeds Crown Court. Now, my experience of that has been an interesting one, I have to say. Um, for somebody who is kind of interested in human behaviour and likes to observe people, and to be put in a room with 40 other people on the same situation, jury service, was a really kind of fascinating experience for me. And the one thing that I became aware of by watching people is how some people have the ability to feel an emotion, have a thought, you know, and then express it. And how other people tend to be a lot more quiet to reserve. They don't express it. And I also experienced somebody who initially looked like they were very quiet and placid, but clearly had an issue that was building up inside. There was an emotion, a thought, a feeling, and eventually that came out. And it didn't come out in the most attractive of ways. So what I'm going to talk about is my experience of that. I'm not going to use any names. And I'm also, although it's, I'm talking about my experience of jury service, there'll be no talk about what happened inside a courtroom or in a jury deliberation room because it's illegal to talk about those things. So these are just literally my observations of what went on while I was doing jury service. And it's, and it's for that purpose I'm, I'm using this example the purpose is to show you how letting things build up is not a good thing. So if you are somebody who has got the tendency to let things build up and then you kind of um, explode, either in a fit of temper, rage or emotion, this would be a good episode for you because I think you might learn some things that might stop you from doing that in future. Right, I'll explain the observation I made. When you call to jury service, it's a really strange experience because it's certainly in the, UK, in the UK it's not something you can avoid if you get summoned to jury service you must attend unless you've got a very very good reason for not attending and um, I didn't have a very good reason for not attending so I had to attend me and what I kind of estimate to be in the region of around about another 45 people maybe so me and 45 other people most of who I've not met before. I mean, this is the this is something that the first day was hilarious for me because I'd gone there. This is a random group of people from anywhere within quite a big area that surrounds Leeds, um, and this was just completely random. And yet, I was in there with somebody I knew, um, somebody I, I I sit on a panel with somewhere else, and it was quite interesting when she kind of tapped me on my shoulder and said, "Hey, what are you doing here?" And I said, "Well, probably the same thing as you." So, but generally, you're in a room with with other individuals not met before. And that's an emotional um, position to be in for some people, quite an uncomfortable position, I have to say, especially for introverted people. Um, and as somebody myself who would, would say that I am introverted, um, I could feel some element of tension on day one. There's no doubt about that. But when I got there, I noticed that everybody else generally had a similar kind of look about them because part of working with people with human behaviors, you can tell when people are uncomfortable. There's certain characteristics and things that people do give you an indication they're uncomfortable. So just to give you an idea what they are, by the way, some people talk a lot when they're uncomfortable. Some people say nothing when they're uncomfortable. Um, some people will, will will speak in a very nervy way. Some people will speak in a very um, sharp way. 
But th these are all kind of um, behaviours that can happen when people are uncomfortable. Uh, because you behave different when you're uncomfortable to what you do when you're comfortable. Okay, so here I am in this room with these people. And the one thing about jury service is, it, it is random how you get chosen. And equally, there's another random part of this as well, because when you get asked to be a juror and you go into what's called a pool of jurors, you're not guaranteed to get on a trial. So potentially you could, 10 days is what jury, jury service um, consists of, 10 days, it lasts 10 days. Um, and 10 days is two, Monday to Friday, two weeks. It's two weeks of your life you're there, really. And even if you get into the pool, which is when you're chosen for jury serving summoned, it's random again the next way. So you may never get on a case. And some people don't. You know, some people never go on a case. I did get on a case, I have to say. It was only a very short one. Um, but I got the experience of, of being a juror. But some didn't. And where we were sat, because of the way COVID restrictions are kind of put in place there, you had to sit in a particular seat when you went in the morning and you couldn't move from that seat. You could literally go to the loo and you could go get a drink from the machine and at lunchtime you could maybe nip into town for the hour that you you were excused for lunch. But pretty much for the rest of the time, from 10 o'clock in the morning till 4.30 in an, evening, in an afternoon slash evening, you had to sit in one chair. There was nothing there to watch. There was no TV. There was no radio. So any entertainment that you wanted, you had to bring in with you. And a lot of people did. They brought in things like Kindles, phones, headphones to listen to music. And I did. I had a, I had a full bag of tech with me, my laptop. And I didn't take my laptop. Um, but I took I took a Kindle and I took a notepad and, and, and all that. Because I was aware, aware there's going to be a lot of waiting. And we were warned there was going to be lots of waiting. But after the kind of initial first day, the second day becomes a bit like Groundhog Day. Because, you, again, you're still sat there, you're still waiting. And some people, when they're uncomfortable and something, and emotions going on inside them, they will make it obvious what that emotion is very quickly. So some people were very vocal about how, you know, I don't like waiting around, you know, I could be at work, you know, I'm losing money, you know, I had stuff to do this week, you know, and, and they let their emotions out. And you look at them and, you, and there's, there's a bit of, you can sometimes think, yeah, just be quiet, you know, you don't need to say that. But actually saying that's very, very healthy. Because, you know, you are voicing and you are giving voice to the experience that's going on in you, the thoughts are going, on, going on inside you because they're building up, they're getting uncomfortable. Within this room, of all the people that I sat with, one woman in particular stood out as being really kind. She was really pleasant. You know, she always smiled. She always said, good morning. She made a little bit of conversation, but not a great deal. And, and she never spoke about anything negative about being there. Day one, day two, nothing. Day three, Nothing again, you know. She just sat there again, pleasant, very placid. And she looked like a really kind lady. But as we approached the end of day three, I started to notice a change in her, in her body language. She was starting to get a lot more kind of uncomfortable with being sat still. She was very fidgety. And from my training and my background, I recognise when people are fidgeting, it's because they're uncomfortable about something. Why are you fidgeting like that? You know, you've been calm for two days, two and a half days, but as we get into this back end of the third day, you're starting to look very uncomfortable. What's going on here? And I started to notice this. And then at the end of day three, me, this lady and another 12 people, we got chosen to go onto a trial. And again, I'll explain how this works. You get chosen, you go into a room, then they, from that room you'll go get sworn in and then you become part of the trial. You be, then you become a juror. But only when you're sworn in do you become a juror. Until that point, you're still in the pool of jurors. But we were sat in a room, so we got moved to another room 
And this woman then started talking, oh, she's happy now, you know, we're going to get on a, on a trial, it'll be something to do. I've been a bit bored and all that, and but I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Well, between us being asked to go to the room and before we got taken to court, the people that were on trial pleaded guilty. So we were not required. And we were sent back to the room the last, very late on day three. And this woman clearly wasn't happy um, at all, <laughs> you know. And she's becoming more animated. Now she's starting to talk, but she's still not saying much. And I could see something building up in her. We go home on day three, come back day four. So you're with me now, we're on day four. And we again got pulled into a room and we thought, oh, we must be on another trial. But the guys informed and said, listen, you lot, um, we don't need you today. And we're not going to need you now probably till till next week. Um, so you can all go home. Well, most people, me included, were very pleased with this. This woman was not pleased with this. She went off on one. I've been sat here for three days. You've been messing us about. What's, you know, you've told us nothing. We've been moved here, moved there. I've had to sit on a chair. The chair's uncomfortable. You know, it's freezing cold in the air condition. I've been freezing for three days, you know. And, and why are we going home? And he says, well, you're going home because there's enough other jurors. We don't need you. That's unfair. Why are they getting preferential treatment? This woman turned into, from being a very placid character, into this banshee. And she was kicking off. She was, and to the point, it became uncomfortable and embarrassing to be around her. We'd been told all we had to do was give us names, then we could leave. They'd take us in for the day, so we'd get um, we'd get a mark for being there and come back a couple of days later. But she stayed and she argued. I got out of the room because I thought this is this could end in tears. The guy and the girl who were giving us information, they got into some kind of argument with her. It was impossible, if I'm honest, to not get into an argument with her. The way she was behaving, she was venomous and completely and utterly unhinged at this point. Now, we got in then, after we'd had this break, we came back the following week, and um, she's there, sat in the same place, but this time looking very different, very apologetic, and we went, you know, I'm sorry, you know, you had to experience that, you know, I just I just got so wound up, you know, I, I didn't know what were happening, um, you know, I felt uncomfortable, and I felt, you know, everybody else was getting asked, and I wasn't, I thought they were, you know, picking on us. So what came out, actually, when she explained this was, she was having these feelings, wasn't she? This is unfair, I don't know what's going on, so I'm unsure. Um, I feel some unfairness. Um, I'm, you know, I've not been given enough information. I'm, I'm uncomfortable under the conditions that were sat in. It's too cold for me. I can't move around. I'm starting to wake. She had all these things that were going on that she could have gave voice to and done something about much earlier. And if that, if she had done that, she wouldn't have blown up like she did on that particular day. If we hold on to emotions and feelings, they will build up. And it's like the pressure in a balloon. If you blow a balloon up and you keep blowing it, the, the, the air will go in until the balloon expands. But if the balloon can't expand anymore, the pressure gets too high, it pops. And then when you let that out, it's just a huge bang into it. And it can be like that with our emotions and our feelings. Um, a couple of years ago, I went on holiday to, um, to Ibiza. And part of what we did that year is we took some paddle boards with us. And these are blow-up paddle boards. You blow them up with this high-pressure pump and it makes this kind of, you know, solid board. I mean, when if you to knock it, it feels like it's wood. But it's not. It's just so tightly packed with air. You put in this high-pressure pump. And I'd not really used this board before we went there because there aren't that many places in Wakefield you can paddle board. So I'd only really used it and blown it up properly in Ibiza. And we blew it up the first day, no problem. 
But then when I, at the end of the day, when I came to undo it, I undid the valve and there was this huge noise. It was like, first it was like a bang because the air was rushing out. Then this huge gushing noise. Now we're on a beach in, in Spain and everybody, you know, within probably 50 meters of us, just all turned around to look what was going on, staring at me, some daft ginger, very pale skinned guy with this deflating um, paddleboard in front of me because the pressure came out too quickly. Now, from that point, what I did then is I learned if I undid the valve slightly and just let it blow out and come out very, very slowly, there wasn't the same noise, there wasn't the same commotion, and people didn't look at me the same. And that is how we can handle pressure when it builds up. We've either got one of two things. As soon as the pressure starts to build, we give voice to it. We tell somebody, a friend, somebody we trust to say, look, I'm feeling this. If we're in a group like we were at Crown Court, it would have been very straightforward to say to the people who were running it saying, excuse me, I'm starting to feel really cold. Is there a possibility we can do something with the air conditioning? Or I've got a bit of an issue with my hip, I get stiff. Is there anywhere I can go for just a little walk? And I'm sure they would have accommodated that. So that's the first way of dealing with pressure, by dealing with it as it's building up, so it never builds up. Now, if it does build up, like the paddleboard, and it's full, and it's it, there's so much pressure, it's you know it's going to burst. We can let it out slowly, and letting it out slowly is by catching our thoughts, what we're thinking, and reframing them as own mind. So although we're not giving voice to these, we're actually looking at them differently, thinking, "Hang on, why am I thinking like that?" Like the woman thinking, "This is unfair. It's unjust." She might think, mm, "You know what? I understand. Yeah, yeah. I think they're probably choosing other people because they're here longer. Um, I think it's a bit unfair. Well, maybe this is normal." You can, you can, and that's letting out pressure slowly. So we have two options to deal with pressure that's building up in us. Either deal with it as it's building up so it never gets excessive. But when we recognize it's excessive, when we think we're about to pop, let it out slowly. Because what happened with that woman was embarrassing for her. It was uncomfortable for everybody else. Um, it was, I think, especially uncomfortable for the people running the court proceedings because, you know, they're there to do a job and, and they, they try to do the best. My experience was they were they were brilliant, you know, they were perfect with me. Every time I asked a question, they answered it. Anything you needed to know, they were on hand to, to give you that information. And, and they were very polite. And they were even polite to this lady up to a point when actually being polite didn't seem to work. So if you do suffer with that letting things build up, don't do it. Just allow it to come out. And I know saying, oh, just don't do it, that's dead simple. Those are the practices. Either when things are coming, as soon as you recognise it feels a bit uncomfortable, talk to somebody about it. Give voice to it. If you have recognised it's build up and you're about to pop, and we all know what that feeling's like, then you've got to let it out slowly. And you can do that by reframing it in your own mind. Even writing down what's bothering you, that's another way of doing it slowly. If no one's around to talk to, you can even talk to somebody else, but be very careful because when you're on the edge there around to pop, even the smallest thing can flick you off the edge. And literally, it can be even something positive that turns you over the edge. If you think about it, we got told we could go home early. So by anybody's standard, that's a win. Anybody on jury service anyway, you can go home early. You don't have to be here all day. Wow, that's a win. So they told her something positive and she kicked off because all she needed was a spark, one opportunity to let all this pressure pop out. And that was it. Telling her something nice, but she just, oh, let it rip. So don't let your pressure build up. It's not good for you emotionally. It's not good for you physically mentally it's not good for the people around you but become more aware of when things are building up and deal with them before they get out of hand a lot of illnesses that people have you know headaches um, things like cold sores 
Um, even aches and pains in your body can be due, due to holding emotional tension. Something you're unhappy about, something you're uncomfortable about, you let it build up and it comes out, it manifests in actual physical illnesses. So it's a very important skill to have, learning how to deflate your tension when it starts to build up. Let it just ease out or talk about it as it's happening so it doesn't build up. There you go. I hope you've enjoyed that. I will see you next week or I'll be talking to you next week on another podcast. Any questions, let me know. Contact me at garthboot.com. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please consider doing so. And if you've liked what you've heard on it and you think it's worth some of your friends listening to it or you might think of somebody who could benefit from learning this, send them a link to this. And uh, my final request is if you do have access to iTunes, um, I would really love a five-star review. It makes a massive difference to me and uh, gets me higher up them rankings on that there Apple iTunes podcast thing. Okay, so thank you for listening again, and until next week, take care.